Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. It's time for war. Are you prepared to battle? This is more than a devotional. It's a training manual for the battleground to the spiritual war that is taking place on your family right here, right now. It's time to quit giving the enemy the rights to your family and step into battle with full vengeance. You can learn more about the hands of a warrior, a men's 30-day devotional at nimrodoutdoors.com. Again, nimrodoutdoors.com. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with another podcast uh, for Nimrod Outdoors. And, man, I am excited today um, because it is a little bit different style. Normally, you just get to hear me. Um, and so I'm giving you a break this, this week, and you get to hear from two dudes um, that uh, are awesome. They love the Lord, uh, and they are doing some great things uh, for his kingdom. Uh, but uh, we have Jordan Gibbs with us, who is a longtime friend of mine. Um, he is – how old are you, Jordan? He's 20 years old uh, and has been just on a roller coaster ride of following the will of the Lord and being obedient over the past year and a half, uh, two years. And it is awesome to see what God's doing. Um, I also have a individual that I literally just met like an hour ago that came with Jordan and uh, his name is Zach Wentz. Um, and Zach and Jordan were just recently interning at the family church in west palm beach florida together over the summer um and uh, they came up they're on the way home halfway here they just showed up so i got a microphone i said let's go boys and we're gonna do it um but i'm excited uh i've kind of prepped them a little bit on what we're going to talk about today but i'll be honest with you guys we have a starting point we do not have an ending point so we will see where this goes and we are trusting that the holy spirit will guide us but most importantly it's three dudes here, and we just want to talk about Jesus and what he's done in our lives, and most importantly, what he has called us to do. Um, and so I kind of prepped these guys a little bit, um, but before we get into it, I just want them to introduce themselves so you can hear their voices, um, and they can tell a little bit about themselves, and we'll go from there. Yeah, my name is uh, Jordan Gibbs. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I, uh, I um, have known MA for probably uh, four or five years. Uh, he's been a great mentor in my life. What's up, guys? Um, my name is Zach Went. Um, just met Jordan this summer, actually down at the internship. Um, and I was coming back um, home, and he was like, hey, you want to come hang out with my mentor? And I was like, sure, why not? Um, and pretty much just met, uh, met him and his wife um, and his kids. Um, it's been incredible just to hear his story and his heart behind um, just serving the Lord and just being um, like a willing servant and a vessel for him. Boom. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? All right. So we only have one microphone, folks. So what we're going to do is do our best to pick up every audible thing that we say. But forgive us if there's some things a little off here. But um, I really prepped these guys less than probably 24, 48 hours ago. Um, there is a quote that I absolutely lo love by a pastor uh, by the name of Joby Martin from Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and he said this once. He said, our proximity to Jesus should be more desired than our productivity for Jesus. Um, 
And so I want to unpack that as us as men um, in our culture today, and especially with us as men in ministry. Um, every one of us here today have kind of been, uh, we feel like we've been called to ministry in some way, some form or fashion. Um, you know, I, I've been called to run Nimrod Outdoors, a parachurch organization. Jordan, you've, you've said you've been called, uh, you know, into missions and really living out uh, the Great Commission. Um, and Zach, you, you're uh, at school at Liberty University right now for um, youth ministry. Um, and so uh, kind of three different facets here, uh, but just want to unpack that and, and see what we think it means when Joby says our proximity to Jesus to be more important than productivity. Um, so I'll kind of start us off by just saying, you know, in my own life, um, man, early on in, in my life, I was really focused on doing things for Jesus. Like, what could I do? Uh, what boxes could I check? Um, did I go on that overseas mission trip? Did I do this? Did I do that? Um, and in reality, you know, the more I dive into scriptures and more, the more I have people pour into me that are godly people, uh, the more I see is what is most important is not what we do for Jesus, but actually sitting at his feet and saying, all right, Lord, here I am, and I'm just here to be with you. And most importantly, just focus on who you are. Now, when you tell me to get up and go do something, I'm going to go do it. No questions asked, um, which that is a whole different story in of itself of are we willing to do that? Um, but, you know, I, I think my transformation came, especially when I read. Um, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I, I revert back to this a lot. But the account of Mary and Martha with Jesus and Martha was running around doing all these things, getting ready for Jesus. And Mary was literally just sitting at his feet. And Martha gets mad and is like, hey, like tell her to get up and go do something. Um, and Jesus is like, hey, Mary chose the good portion. She's sitting here with me. Um, and if you know me uh, and uh, you know my personality, I don't sit well. I'm hyperactive. I'm ADD. I'm ADHD. I'm every A and D after that that you can imagine. But, um, you know, really in my life, God over the past three years has been putting me in a path of um, – sitting and waiting on him uh you know we moved down here to georgia three years ago and i thought we were going to hit the ground running with nimrod outdoors uh, we get down here and six months in COVID hits and shuts the world down um, and there's been a lot in my life over the past three years where i've questioned god as far as what's the deal because you called me to do this um, and what i have to do is continually go back to scriptures and realize that my obedience is the main goal it's not the productivity because i wanted this thing to be up and running i wanted to get things going um but really god desires more than i'm just obedient to him and if that means sitting still that means sitting still um and so uh you know that's kind of where this quote has impacted me um, and we could dive into more scriptures as we go yeah for me um i think it's very easy for me to find my identity in what I do, um, how many people I share the gospel with, or um, just how many people I can serve in a specific day. And I kind of feel like um, growing up in the church, that was the reality that was set on me, uh, whether it was intentional or not, as in like you are how many times you read the Bible every week, you are how many times you pray. Um, I think like growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, it was very set in stone that like, there are a few things that you have to do as a man um and like men are expected to provide men are expected to do all these things 
Um, so I think for us as guys, especially going into ministry, um, there's this expectation that we will produce and we will have um, these things that we are expected to do. Um, but as we read through the scriptures, I think it's very easy for us to find like G- or God calls us who we are before we do anything, whether it's in Genesis 2. Um, he says that man that he has made is very good before they have sinned, before they have done anything. Um, and then uh, at the end of Matthew 3, when Jesus is baptized, um, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And that was before Jesus had turned water into wine, before he had healed the sick, before he had um, opened blind eyes, raised the dead, or before he had even been crucified on the cross, which was the reason why he was sent to earth in the first place. Um, he, the Father was already pleased with who Jesus was. Um, and now that we have put our faith in Christ, we are now grafted in with him. Um, so now we are, God is well pleased with us before we do anything. Um, and I want to go back to a verse in Psalm 63, 1, uh, with that verse that M.A. was talking about. It said, "You, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Um, and I think that... Um, I think for us as men, I think it's very important for us to just go to the scriptures before we go anywhere else, find our identity and what the Bible calls us to be or what God has called us to be through the words of the Bible. Um, and yeah, I think those are some of the main points that I have. So, um, First and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank M.A. just for um, the Joby Martin um, quote. Um, I know as we go more in depth, um, as we discuss a little bit more, um, this deep and rich quote um, by Mr. Martin. Um, the first thing that I would just like to do is kind of just reread the quote um, and kind of break it out kind of in like a grammatical part. Um, and more as we go on, obviously we're going to pour out scripture. Um, but I think the biggest thing um, when talking about this is kind of leaving our personal opinions out of the picture. Um, kind of going straight into the God's word. Um, God's word is authoritative. It is infallible. It is inerrant. Um, it should speak for how we live our life. It should direct us um, through the Holy Spirit. Um, our personal opinions have no essence of matter in how we discuss of anything of truth. Um, so I'm going to read the quote off again. Um, and it says, We should be more concerned with our proximity to Jesus than our productive productivity for Jesus. Um, and the two words that kind of stick out to me um, are this is the word concerned and the word proximity. And obviously back, it points back to Jesus, which I love. Um, but the part with the first part with concerned, um, obviously you have that um, kind of like grammatical piece of concerned, um, which is a verb. Um, and I'm kind of a big grammatical person, but I feel like the, with the word concerned, it kind of sticks out of like, hey, as you live your life, uh, there should be like a flashing light bulb going kind of on where it's like, hey, like kind of like this is the Holy Spirit, but it's like, hey, certain areas that you walk down of like, we should be focusing on this, or we should be concerned with this, or we should watch out for this. Um, and that kind of sticks out, and it kind of relates to the word proximity. Um, and kind of when you think proximity, um, you kind of think of like closeness, um, and I feel like almost with like closeness, it would be like, hey, how do you spend pretty much in like a s- essence of that? Like there's going to be time, um, there's going to be energy with that. Um, and that goes straight back to Christ. And I think the one thing that sticks out to me, um, just with that, that the Lord is more in focused on like the individual person's heart. Like he's more focused on your heart, whether 
rather than anything else that you do. Whether it would be, hey, I'm going to still serve the Lord, but he cares more about your heart personally um, and your walk with the Lord. Um, and these three words kind of stick out to me a little bit with that. You can kind of pull out, talk about obedience. You can kind of talk about faith. And you can kind of talk about belief. But in a sense, those three avenues are all very different. But at the same time, they're kind of compared together. Um, and I was reading this book recently, um, just kind of about um, faith in Christ and belief in Christ. Um, and kind of with those words, like through obedience, obedience is a verb. Like it's something that you're going to be continuing to do through the rest of your life. Um, it's going to be a continuous um, yearning, kind of like what Jordan talked about in Psalms, um, having your soul thirst for the Lord, having your heart thirst for the Lord. Those are action verbs that you're doing continuously of like, yeah, hey, I'm going to fall. Since we are sinners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop here, drop here. But it's at the same time, it's like, um, at the end of the day, like, are you making a decision to turn back to Christ and abide in him? Or are you deciding to walk away and not have that faith or obedience or belief in him. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out The Hands of a Warrior, a 30-day devotional specifically for men. Too many dads these days are complacent. They're watching from the sidelines as they leave their child's eternity in the hands of the world. Men are refusing to accept their biblical role as a spiritual leader in the home and are failing their families, their children, and their grandchildren. Why are the current generations fleeing the church in overwhelming numbers? Because too many fathers haven't prepared their children for battle, and the enemy is luring them away. The Hands of a Warrior is a 30-day devotional. It's short, it's simple, and to the point, just like these podcasts. So if you want something a little more hands-on, this is the way to go. You can learn more at nimrod.doors.com. That's good stuff. That's deep, boys. I like it. So, um, yeah, man, you know, when it comes to obedience, um, you know, in John chapter five, Jesus himself says that uh, truly, truly, so, you know, the son can only do. uh, I'm going to misquote it. The son can only do what the father tells him. Basically, the son can do nothing of his own accord. So that's Jesus literally talking about his relationship with the heavenly father. And so, you know, as much as we try to go do something for the Lord, our best intentions amount to nothing unless it has been commissioned or called to us to do from the Lord. Um, and so often, um, you know, we there's scriptures. I mean, you read the whole Bible and you look at our own lives that, you know, how many times God has told us to do something and how many times do we sit there and we're like, ah, I'm not sure if he actually said to do that or you know, Jordan, how many times have we had conversations where you're like, I'm just, man, I'm just trying to discern the will of the Lord. And, um, you know, we wrestle with that. And I think that's a great thing. You know, I've said often on this podcast, like wrestling with the Lord is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. That means that you are fighting for the faith that you have. Um, people that say they don't wrestle with their faith, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I question that because, um, God calls us to do things that are against the grain of society and against the flow. And if we don't question that, like, you know, are we just yes men? And I don't think God just wants yes men. He wants men that are on fire for him. And so we need to work out with fear and trembling our own faith. Um, and so wrestling is a good thing in my opinion. But, you know, as you guys were talking, um, and Zach, you know, you were talking about obedience. And you said something also. You said it doesn't matter about our opinions. It matters about the word of God. Um, and man, like, how powerful is that? Like, how often do we even use scripture 
to justify our quote unquote opinions. Um, and how often do we engage the world through this scripture solely based on the lens of our opinions and our opinions don't matter. I mean, you nailed it, man. They don't. God's word matters. Um, and, you know, that, that got me to thinking about Jesus and his interaction. And you see it in Mark chapter 1, um, starting verse 29, it says, Jesus healed many. Um, and he goes into talking about him healing people. And in verse 32, it says, That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the, the demons to speak because they knew him. And then verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, he being Jesus, and went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, pre preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And so if you read that, you know, it's easy to kind of just skip over it. But what I find interesting is it says like literally the whole town was sitting there waiting to be healed by various things, the sick, the demons, all that. And it says that Jesus slipped away early in the morning before daylight to go pray and be with his father, uh, to seek wisdom, to seek discernment, and to seek the will of the Lord. And what does it say? It says that Simon and all that were with him came looking for him and said, everyone is looking for you. And so there's no word scripture here, but I can imagine that there are people that are waiting to be healed at this point. They are sitting there waiting to be healed. And they're like, man, now is my turn. And what does Jesus say? Let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. He literally just left individuals in their affliction. And man, when I read that and I think about the Jesus in which we portray in America today, in the Western culture today, I don't see much room for that Jesus in our words and our school of thought you know we as christians would say oh no jesus wanted, wants everybody to feel loved wants everybody to feel healed and i'm not saying he doesn't love them but what i'm saying is jesus was so in tune with the will of the lord that here's the truth of the matter he could have sat there at that door forever because they would have kept bringing people and kept bringing people and kept bringing people but that's not why he came. He said, I have come to preach. And so he left people where they were because ultimately his goal was to get to the cross because Jesus didn't come down here to heal people physically. He came here to heal them spiritually. And if all he ever did was sit there and heal them physically, those individuals, if Jesus had never gone to the cross, if he had gotten distracted with all the quote-unquote ministry work of healing people physically... He wouldn't have never gone to the cross, and therefore those people might have been healed physically for a time, but if he never went to the cross, then there's no redemption for their sins, and therefore they spend eternity in hell. And that blows my mind, that Jesus had the ability to discern the will of the Lord so much that he just left people where they were. Um, 
and that's countercultural in our in our world today. Um, but at the end of the day, I can imagine people then getting mad at Jesus and being like, well, he just left me here like this. You know, I came all this way. I traveled all this way to be healed, and he just left me here. And Jesus didn't listen to their opinions. He didn't care about their opinions. He didn't allow their opinions to dictate what his job and what he was called to do for his father. Um, and, man, that's hard because when you're in ministry, not saying we're people pleasers, but we're here to help people, right? Um, and so being so in tune with the will of the Lord that we know what is best and what's not. Um, and I'm going to brag on my wife for a minute. Actually, last weekend, we just did a hog hunt uh, where we had a bunch of fathers and their sons come out. And, man, it was awesome. We dove into God's word. We talked about what it looked like to be a spiritual leader and what God has called us to be. And then we put them in the woods, and they slung some lead and shot some hogs, and it was amazing. But we had one father-son group there, and, um, you know, one of the fathers, you know, kind of was not – is not always in his son's life. Um, and the son goes to church with us and he wanted to come on this hog hunt. And so his grandmother came to us and said, Hey, will you take him on this hog hunt? And talking to Chelsea and my wife kind of pushed back on her and said, Hey, our mission at Nimrod Outdoors is to get kids involved with their fathers. And the grandmother was kind of like, well, his father, you know, I don't know if his father would do this. I don't know if he'd go. And Chelsea literally just looked at her and said, well, you got to ask. Um, and so would it have been really easy for me to just be like, yeah, I'll take him. I'll put him in the stand with me. No big deal. Sure. But what God has called us to do here at Nimrod Outdoors is to build up generations of God-fearing men to pour into their actual children. And lo and behold, somehow, this is the Holy Spirit. The grandmother had the gumption and went and asked the dad. And the dad was like, yeah, I'll do it. And showed up with his son and sat in the deer stand and had a good evening enjoying time with his son um when in reality the grandmother thought i I don't know if that actually if he'd actually say yes but without chelsea kind of standing firm and saying hey this is what god's called us to as a ministry um and, and so staying focused on what god's called you to and not getting distracted i mean i can't tell you how many times we've had people come to us and be like hey can you do this or you should do this or you should do that um and let me let me say this very clearly all those things that they come to us with are phenomenal great god honoring things but it is not what god has called us to um and very quickly just like jesus you could be distracted or not like jesus you know jesus was not distracted but with everybody coming to 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 the door to get healed by jesus we very often can say yes to everything and everyone under the sun and actually never accomplish what God has called us to. Um, and so there's that. Going to head it back over to Mr. Zach Wentz. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, so kind of just going, I know it's a little kind of like a little off topic, but not really. It's kind of just going back to the quote. Um, and I don't know if it's just something that's been on my heart kind of this summer, um, even now, but like I feel like when Jordan got that quote from you, it like hit home with me because it's like probably something that I've been struggling with and even just like dealing with kind of from the Lord. Um, And kind of like when I like still think of that, um, like in that quote, um, kind of the term of love pops up for me. Um, And it's like, hey, kind of like, do you love the Father more than kind of what you do for the Father? 
And like the book that kind of sticks out to me um, is in Deuteronomy. And then there is a passage in the gospel that also kind of correlates with it. Um, But kind of the whole, this intrigues me a lot, um, kind of with the Old Testament. And I don't know um, the audience I'm speaking to, um, but like my encouragement would be to you, um, dig into the Old Testament a little bit, um, despite the fact it might be a little bit boring and old. Um, but something that's really interested, interesting when you look at the whole outline of Deuteronomy. Um, so in Deuteronomy, for those of you who don't know, you, Moses is the leader of the Israelites. Um, and kind of they've been going through, um, kind of not towards the promised land yet, but kind of wandering in the desert um, during that time. Um, and before uh, Moses hands over the reign to Joshua, it's very interesting to me, and I'll read it to you. Um, but in Deuteronomy 6, um, just a few verses I'll read out to you. Um, starting in verse 4, um, and these verses pop up over and over and over within um, chapter upon chapter upon chapter throughout the whole book. And it like starts in the whole book and it ends with the whole book because Moses is reminding the Israelites of like, hey, there's nothing more important that you can do than love the Lord your God. Um, and these are verses I'm going to read to you, but it says um, in verse 4, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk alongside the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swores to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of everything good that you did not fill with them, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat, are you satisfied? Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of every place of slavery. Uh, Verse 13 continues, it says, Fear the Lord your God, worship him, and take your oaths in his name. And it's really interesting to me that throughout the whole book of Deuteronomy, um, and even in parts of Joshua, he's like, he reminds the Israelites um, from generation to generation to generation those exact words of like, hey, as a group, as a nation, as um, your only thing that you should be doing is loving the Lord your God with all your heart. And that should outplay and like affect your entire life for generation upon generation as it spoke. And it's really just hitting at home of like, hey, like that decision you had to make with like you and the Lord is like, that's... Like, is my love for the Lord there? And, like, you got to ask yourself that hard question. And I know, like, in Revelation, um, the first few chapters where the letters were written um, to the seven churches, um, within the first few chapters, one of the churches um, kind of was tested with, like, hey, where's your first love gone? And, like, have you lost your first love? And, like, is that still, like, your stronghold? Are you still wanting to be in proximity with him as before your ministry, you know? Um, and then the one that I talked to you, um, about Matthew, um, I'll kind of just summarize it, but it's um, kind of a calling to one of the disciples um, that Jesus is, but a simple verse of just like Jesus said um, just to the disciple of like, hey, come and follow me and I will make you um, fishes of men. Um, and just that word, follow me, it's like the Lord only wants you to follow him and like have that love for him and have your heart there. Um, but not in the terms of I kind of fall into this with like legalistic versus relationship. Um, and, like, if you look throughout Romans, it's like, hey, at the end of the day, like, you are a fallen short sinner. And, like, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall. But that's not what the Lord wants. He doesn't want a so-called perfect relationship or walk with him. He just wants a genuine, intimate, 
relationship that spends time and energy with him. Yeah, I kind of want to piggyback off of some of what Zach said. Um, it was really cool with just how he was just talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Um, and I kind of thought of this verse in uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ has loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And there's just so much in this uh it's just two verses, and we could talk about it a long time. Um, the few things that caught my eye was be imitators of God. And later in this, these two verses says that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So, therefore, like, we should give ourselves up and be sacrificial in our love towards those that are around us. Jesus says to love your, love your God. Uh, that's the first commandment. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. To how do we love our neighbor? Like, we are to proclaim the gospel to those who don't know Christ. Um, and that's just uh, the Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Um, and then uh, just walking uh, later in verse 1, it says, Walk as beloved children. Um, and we find our identity in that. We don't find our identity in what, our, what we do, but we find our identity in what Christ has called us and what He has already uh, spoken over us. Um, in John 15, he says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So it is not nothing that we could do, but it's only by what Christ has done on the cross to purify our sins. Um, so then later in verse 2, it says, And now we give up our lives as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God because of what Christ has done for us there should not be any hindrance on what we do for him. No matter where he calls us to go or no matter what he asks us to do, we should be willing to do it because he has paid the debt on our behalf that we deserve to die. So, Man, that that's awesome. You know, Zach, you, sir, you kind of kicked off, um, started off with talking about relationship um, and how that is so important. And, Jordan, you, you kind of kept carrying that ball. Um, and man, it just, you know, Jordan, you just said, like, Jesus wants a relationship with us. Um, and Zach, you said that, you know, it's not, I mean, God's, God's expectation, I mean, Matthew 5:48 says, you know, be perfect, therefore is your heavenly father's perfect. Well, raise your hand if you're perfect. Nobody. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a sinner. Okay. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. So... Welcome to the club. You're, you're already part of the club, but now I'm telling you, you're definitely, you're there. Um, and so we are sinners. There, there is no perfection in us. No matter how much, I mean, Jordan, you and I were just talking about this earlier. Like, there's no amount of good we can do to reach perfection. The minute we breathe our first breath, we are in sin. We, we are a sinful creature. We are in a sinful world. And so therefore... We can't be redeemed of that. There, there's no washing that away on our own accord. But what's awesome in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can't do it on our own. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how holy we think we are, how righteous we think we are. We are still wretched-hearted, black-hearted sinners that deserve nothing but eternal damnation. But yet... Jesus stands in front of us and every time I mean look 
I'm a sinful dude. I, I mess up every day as a father and husband. And what the, the amazing thing is, is the wrath of God, the perfect holiness of God, literally cannot stand my wretchedness. And so even though the wrath of God wants to put me in the grave, Jesus is standing there being a propitiation for us and interceding on our behalf and saying, hey, I died for that. I got that covered. He's mine. Um, and man, the relationship piece is huge because it's not just about bo- checking a bunch of boxes. I mean, you talk about Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler is like, Jesus, you know, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus lists off basically the Ten Commandments. And this dude's like, well, I've done that since, I'm, since my youth, uh, which is an absolute lie. Like, he failed at some point in fashion. What I find amazing is Jesus isn't like, liar. What is it? Jesus says he turned and loved him and then said, you lack one thing. Come. And Zach, what would you say? Follow me. You know what I mean? It's about following after him. Um, and what I find amazing is a lot of times we think of a big, big God and how can a big, big God actually care that much about me individually? Like, yeah, maybe he cares about the world, but does he care about me individually? And man, there is a chapter in the book of Isaiah that I just read over my soul from time to time. And it's Isaiah 43. And man, it starts off like this. It says, but thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. You skip down to verse 4. It says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And then you go to verse 7. It says, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Here's the creator of the universe that literally with a whisper created everything that we know. And he's sitting here saying, I love you. You are mine. I know you by name. You're not just someone or something. You are Kyle or Zach or Jordan or M.A. or Chelsea. They know us by name. He knows us by name. And he wants an active and working relationship with him. But are we going to follow him? See, that's where, going back to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler just wanted it to be a transactional thing. Like, what can I do to earn eternal life? And, and you know, Jesus kind of gave him the transactional answer. He's like, well, I've done that. And Jesus is like, yeah, well, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And really, I don't think sell all that you have and give to the poor was a prerequisite for eternal life. I think Jesus was literally just trying to get as much of him out of him as he could so that he could come follow Jesus. Really, the only thing that that man needed to do was follow Jesus in obedience. Um, and how often we get so transactional with our relationship with Christ. Of, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I can remember as a young man sitting at the altar being like, all right, God, if you get me through this, I ain't going to do this again. You know what I mean? And guess what? Two weeks later, I'm doing that same thing. Um, we treat God as a transactional God. We treat Jesus as a transactional Jesus, when in reality, he's not. He's a relationship person. He wants a relationship with us. And, you know, it's just one of those things where are we willing to actually follow him? And honestly, following him is the hard thing. Transactional Jesus is easy. Check enough boxes for the day. Those boxes out, 
you know, outweigh the boxes we didn't check or the bad we did, whoo, we're good. Following Jesus is a different story. Being obedient to the calling that Jesus has on our life is a different story. All right. Um, well, guys, thank you all so much for uh, joining me. Thank you for talking about this. Um, and, and, man, it's awesome to see you all opening up Scripture, rifling through the Word of God. Um, it's not very often. i got a couple of young dudes that are willing to really dive in and be as intentional as you are. And here's the thing, listeners. Jordan, how old are you? 20. 20. How old are you? 23. 23. So you got a 20 and 23-year-old that are willing to not only within a 24-hour notice be like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and we're going to talk about Jesus, but also be able to, man, wield the sword, wield the Word of God like they did and know the Scriptures and open it up um, and, and use it as it is intended. Um, as, that was awesome to see. Uh, y'all bless me just in the fact of watching y'all. So um, good deal. Well, hey, uh, we hope y'all have a great week. Remember, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.